Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the Donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Good to have you here at Portico. I need you to come next Sunday because it's going to be Barry's birthday, isn't it, Barry? And so I think next Sunday, Barry, just in honor of you, we're going to show up on... There you go. If not for me, Barry, we're going to come for you. So happy early birthday, Barry. It's going to be great. So glad to have all of you here. What a wonderful season. How many of you love Christmas? Yeah, a few of you. Okay. A few of you have been at the mall this week and you're still thinking about it. You're kind of wrestling it through. It's only nine days. You know, you're already there. It's nine days till Christmas. And uh, there's all kinds of different family traditions that are going to take place over the next few weeks. And some of you are preparing and some of you will be thinking about, some of you will be shopping on the 24th. So come to the 3.30 candlelight service or, and we'll get you out. Um, but whatever you need to do. We have family traditions. I'm kind of curious when it comes to giving gifts, how many of you actually disguise your gifts? Beyond the wrapping paper, you actually try to disguise the gift. We got a few in the room? Yeah, okay. You're looking at me like, why would you do that? See, I was raised, I was one of six siblings in the family, and so eight of us in total in our family, and when we gave gifts, you try to disguise the gift so that the person didn't know what they were getting. You think, well, that's why you wrap it. But in our family, it was tradition to search for the gifts before Christmas and begin shaking them. Now, that wasn't a sanctioned, you know, activity. That was a covert activity by the kids. Anybody else did that? Okay, four more have joined the band of the covert people. We would hunt high and low looking for them. So we got into the custom. We would add weights into the bag. We would add proportions to the gift. We would do everything to disguise the gift. So when I got married, Laura's family and my family, they're a little different. Because in my family, we would do all of this stuff. And then when we open gifts, it's one at a time. So you wait as you go around the circle and and you sort of give attention to the person that's opening the gift. Laura's family, it was a free-for-all. It was like you just rifle those gifts out there. And I remember my first Christmas, I was like, oh, I can't do this. Because people are opening all kinds of presents and they're going, what did you get? What did you get? And I go, nobody knows what anybody got. And they go, but that's Christmas here. And in ours, it was the same for Laura. She was in full shock. She was like, pick up the pace. Because it was one at a time. And you see, it wasn't just disguising the gifts. Because you went to all the work to disguise the gift. When you received the gift, then you had to take the gift and you had to do the guest test before you even open it. And you try to figure out what it is. You're with me. You know what this is all about. And you pick it up and you go, hmm, too heavy to be a watch, too light to be a gold bar. And then you shake it and you do all of this stuff. And of course, poor Laura is going through this whole thing. And anybody in our, we made it an Olympic sport. We should have given out prizes. There should have been, you know, gold, silver, and bronze for the best gifts and the best guests. And here's the, here's the thing. It became part of our tradition. So discovering the truth of what was inside of the gift was a big part of how we celebrated Christmas. You think about that, 
And Christmas becomes such a tradition. It's filled with memories and traditions and celebrations and festivities. But for a lot of us, we forget that there is a truth embedded inside of the Christmas story that goes beyond the mistletoe and the memories. It's the message of Christ. It's what we just sang about together this morning. And the series that we're in is called True North. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at different aspects because it's easy to become so familiar with Christmas that we move along. And if you're like me, you can even sing all of the lyrics to the Christmas carols and then realize, I didn't even pause to think about the implications of the words that I just sang. Because now I'm singing them right out of road, and what we wanted to do was slow it down a little bit and go back into the story and go, let's look at true north. What's the message inside? And through the different elements of the Christmas story, we looked at the, the Magi, and we looked at how there is truth. There is a solid objective truth, a biblical truth, and it exists outside of ourselves, and it's existed since the beginning of time, and it will present itself in an extraordinary way in the life of Christ if we look for it. And then last week, we talked about who remembers I'm going to read you last week's message. You're not even going to know. Let's talk about Herod. Anybody with me now? Oh, you all know it. You're just too shy. It's first service crowd. We talked about Herod, and I took Herod, and I took the angle from Herod's life, and I said, we have to be careful when it comes to twisting the truth, and that we can actually take truth and begin to misinterpret. We can manipulate it and even mismanage how we use the truth and we leverage it for our own advantage. And we saw in the life of Herod how Herod had an opportunity through the prophetic declarations that Christ was coming. He could have embraced the truth of God, but he chose to actually twist the truth. And the warning for us is to make sure that when it comes to truth, that we manage the truth, we embrace the truth with sincerity and honor. Well, today we're going to move on to another part, and it's one of my favorite parts of the Christmas story, and we're going to look at another individual, and the the story today that we're going to look at, it's embedded with scandal, deceit, betrayal, mistrust, all kinds of emotions are tied into this part of the story, and we often read through it at the beginning of the season, and then we miss the rest of the implications, and we're going to draw our lessons out of the life of Joseph. So his story, for me, is really quite engaging. Because we know the familiar parts of it. Joseph is engaged to be uh, married, and to marry, so they're already in their engagement era. And as they're going through their journey and the anticipation, expectation of sharing this wonderful life together, I, I, I can't even imagine the moment that Mary comes up to Joseph and makes the confession. Now, those of you that are married and you remember the first time you discovered that you were going to have a child, the sheer joy, and it, at least I hope it was, For most of us, the sheer joy and excitement, maybe horror, because you're thinking, oh no, another mouth to feed, but the joy and the excitement of having your first child. But for Joseph, in the tradition of preparation and engagement, when they have yet to consummate their marriage, and Mary has to make this shocking revelation, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. And we overlook the emotional distress that Joseph is immediately thrust into when he realizes the very thing that he's been dreaming about, the very person that he's already committed his life to, everyone they've been sharing their story with and inviting to come to their celebration together, and the one he committed himself to and pledged his trust to says, I'm pregnant. And by the way, it's God's child. Think about that. We love playing the God card, but that was a bit of a stretch. Wouldn't you agree? 
It's God's child. And Joseph's probably thinking, please, please, don't do that. If, if you're pregnant, let me wrestle through the implications of the betrayal and the mistrust. I don't know who you were with. I don't know how this happened. But what I do know is please don't play the God card and say you're not even sure how because we all know when it comes to science, there's only one way to get pregnant. Am I correct? Or do we need to do biology class today? And so Joseph, not knowing, remember he didn't have the rest of the story, not knowing the rest of the story, he had to be in that moment with Mary to go, please, Mary, don't play my emotions this way. At least be forthright. Let's at least treat each other with decency and honor. And if you're pregnant, call it for what it is. You're pregnant. And tell me who it is, and let me get on with my life, and let's figure this out. We get the sanitized version because we know the outcome. Joseph didn't. He was in the middle of this mistrust, this anger, this betrayal. And somewhere in all of this, he has to discern the truth. And I would venture to say that for a lot of us, we get into life's moments. We go into health issues, relationship breakdown. We get into financial difficulties. We just watch the news. You see all the people that just received their notice are going to be laid off of work. All the upheaval that comes with life, it's in the moments of upheaval when it's sometimes really hard to discover truth. And here's what I want to do today. I want to take you into the story of Joseph and help you determine how you can discern the truth and what we need to do so that our lives will stay on track. Ready to go? Let's get our Bibles. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to read at verse 18, and here's what it says. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. See, we got, we got the rest of the story first. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home and his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So here's the question. How can you discern the truth and trust God in the moments where your life is in utter chaos, where maybe you're not in a Joseph story, but you're in the middle of your own story, and the storms are there, and the questions and the confusions and the doubts and the pain are there because we live there. So how do you determine the truth, and how do you trust God in the middle of that? So I want to give you three thoughts today. Take out your notes, get the apps out. You can take your notes together and just reflect on these over the Christmas season because I think they're going to help us way beyond Christmas because there will be moments in our lives when we're looking for truth in the middle of our pain and our frustration, and here's what we need to do. If you're writing notes, number one, write this down. You need to block out all the distractions. You need to block out all of the distractions. This is exactly what we see in the life of Joseph because I don't think any of us could really understand the emotional upheaval this poor man is going through. To know that everything that you have dreamt about and all the preparations and everything he's anticipated, this is what couples dream about when they get engaged. They begin to build their dreams together and they talk about who to invite to the wedding, what kind of wedding party they're going to have and where are they going to go on their honeymoon and what kind of life are they going to have together and how many children are they going to have all the dreams 
that Joseph could have possibly had, and three words, two with a contraction, if you take it, I'm pregnant, and it blows up the whole thing. And so for him in the moment, he's in the middle of this chaotic upheaval, and we have to understand he's trying to reconcile what's my course of action? What am I going to do with this information that Mary has just shared with me? How do I handle the social circles of my life? And what do I tell people when I have to begin to share with them the fact that I'm no longer engaged and we're not going to get married Joseph just wanted to know the truth, and sometimes discerning the truth becomes really, really difficult. Here's a couple of things if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. There are so many voices that create distractions that sometimes it's hard to block it all out and to discover the truth. There, for Joseph, think about this, there was the voice of the law. It said he was a righteous man. So you have the, the voice of the religious system that says if Mary was unfaithful in the course of her marriage, he, of course, had by all rights permission to divorce her. And in fact, the law gave greater permission to judge her for that. The, the outcome could have been horrific for her. So he's got the voice and the pressure because he was a devout, faithful, religious man. And he's got this voice pressing in on him saying, this is what you need to do. Then he's got the voice of his family that's going to lean in. And how many of you know your family have pretty loud voices? Anybody? It's okay. It's before Christmas. They'll still buy you a gift. Some, sometimes our family put a lot of pressure on us, don't they? And so you can imagine Joseph going home and saying, you know, mom and dad, the, the, uh, the engagement's off. Why? What happened? Mary's pregnant. Dump the tramp. You know, it's that quick. The, the voice of family can lean into a story and actually cause more emotional upheaval than what we're already going through. And there are situations in our life when we're in the middle of our own personal stories and what people feel is good counsel is actually creating heightened anxiety for us. If you don't believe me, read the book of Job. He had three wonderful friends that didn't help him very much. And a lot of times we have the voice of our beliefs, our religious system, we have the voices of our family, we have the voices of our friend, and all of this is forcing itself upon Joseph to make a decision, and contrarian voices are urging him to follow what could be the most logical decision. So uncertain of what to do, Joseph chose to do the most logical thing he could. Look what it says, Matthew chapter 119, because Joseph her husband was faithful to the law, and he did not want to expose her to public grace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. It seemed like the logical thing to do. But listen carefully. The logical choice is not always the right choice. The logical choice does not always take you into the realm of faith. And the realm of faith takes you into a place where you need to discern and trust God. And for Joseph, he did what he thought was going to be best for Mary, to help her through this best for him. And it seemed logical, but it wasn't the right. So it says in chapter 1, verse 20, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph... Son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So here's Joseph. He's thrust into this, the middle of this huge faith challenge. So now he's made a decision of what he wants to do, and then in the middle of the night, as he's sleeping, he has a dream, and an angel appears to him, and he has to reconcile what's taking place here. 
Would he trust that God was work at work in his story even in the midst of the upheaval and in the worst possible conditions? See, that's the question, isn't it? Do we trust that God is working in my story in my worst moments? Because we believe it in our best. We believe it when everything is good. But when life throws you a curve and you're in a hard place, that's the place where faith comes in. We move towards logic, and God calls us into the realm of faith, and he says, trust me in this. I have an answer for you. And Joseph needed to do something. He needed to be able to block out the distraction. He had to get the voices of his family out. He had to get the voices of the religious system out. He had to get the voices of his social circles out. He needed to block distractions. Now, here's a question. Do you find it easy to block distractions in your life? I don't. It's so hard. In fact, just a couple of personal observations for me. Here's what I notice. When I, when I go to pray, I remember everything. I have a wonderful memory when I pray. I have a terrible memory when I'm not praying. Anybody like that? I, I will decide it's time to pray. So I'll read my Bible. In fact, here's what I'll do for my devotions. You know, we talk about doing Life Journal, just real candid disclosure here. We'll start reading Life Journal. I'll be reading through a verse and I'll go, oh yeah, that's on sale. I should probably go look at that. No, no, focus, Doug, focus, Doug. And I'll go back in and I'll start reading again. I think, did I buy Laura a Christmas gift? And did I buy one more expensive than the one she bought me? Focus, Doug. Then I'll go back in and I'll try reading. I cannot tell you, it takes incredible discipline to block out the distractions. That's when I'm reading stuff. Now, try closing your eyes and praying. That's That's a whole different thing. As soon as you close your eyes, the lights go out. And then suddenly my mind turns on. And I want to talk to God, but there are all these other voices talking to me. Do you have that? You do. Here, I'm going to show you. Close your eyes for a moment. Just close your eyes. Okay, listen to the voice of God. Got your eyes closed? Okay, listen for the voice of God. I'll bet you hear the air conditioner and heater more than you hear God right now, don't you? (laughs) Open your eyes. Some of you are already fast asleep. Thank you. You're welcome. That's your rest for the day. That's what happens. We, We start to focus in, and as we begin to focus in, all the distractions, and it is amazing. As soon as you close your eyes and you try to block out distractions, the pressure forces and moves in in such a powerful way, and you go, no, 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 I want to focus in. So imagine Joseph when he's trying to discern the truth in the middle of his emotional turmoil, and he's trying to discover what's God doing in the middle of this, and he hears his parents, and he hears the law, and he hears his friends, and he thinks about Mary, and he doesn't want to disgrace Mary, but he doesn't want to stay in the course, and all of this is causing this upheaval. And friends, here's why it's so important. It's pivotal if we're going to discern the truth. We have to learn how to block out the distractions. Earlier this year, I had a chance to be in New York City with my son Kyle, and we spent the day together. So we were there. And if you've been to New York City, that's just a city of distraction. That's all it is. It's lights and smells and cars and traffic. It's got everything. And it's fun. It's a lot of fun. But it's a huge distraction zone. And we were spending the day, we walked into this uh, mega retail store. It was an electronic retail store. And you, you had to get in a queue to go in the store. And then you had to line up. And you had to get in a queue to leave the store. There's just people everywhere. We're looking at all the wonderful electronic stuff. That's like a toy store for men, in case you're wondering what that is. So we're in the store, and we're walking through, and a few minutes later, we came across this entire display case of noise-canceling headphones. You know what those are. 
They go over your ears, and I'm standing there looking at them. I go, wow, those are really nice. And I look at the price, wow, that's really nice. And as we're looking at them, and Kyle says, have you ever tried those? And I said, no, I haven't. And he said, you should try them. So I took a set of noise-canceling headphones, and I put them on my ears, and I turned the switch on, and I closed my eyes, and suddenly New York was gone. It was the most incredible thing. I thought, I want to buy a pair of these for at home. I couldn't hear a thing. I didn't say Laura. Oh, you bad, bad people. Honey, it's terrible. Look. Let's pray, dear Father. (laughs) But it was the most incredible thing. These noise-canceling headphones and the electronics within them have the ability to diffuse and bring this peace and calm into the situation. I actually had my eyes closed for a few minutes, and I opened my eyes, and my son is gone. And I thought, well, that was his chance to get away, and he just took advantage of it. And I realized in that moment, wouldn't it be incredible if we could have spiritual noise-canceling headphones that in the middle of our most disturbing situations, see, some of you are going through some health situations, and you're going, God, how do I find truth in this? How do I trust you in this? Your word says that healing is available, but I don't feel healing in my life, and it looks like the obstacles are getting greater than they're, they're not getting smaller, and you just want to be able to put on these noise-canceling headphones because everybody else around you is saying, well, you just need to have more faith, or you should pray more, or you should have trusted more, or maybe you deserve this. See, those are all the voices that are out there, and God says, no, just put on those headphones and just remember, be still and know that I am God. That's what Joseph needed. He needed to be still and know that I am God moment. And you also have to remember that in those moments that God made a promise to all of us. He said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. And that's what we need to hold on to today. That when we're going through, like Joseph, we go through our moments. Yours may not be now. Yours may be on the horizon. But we will go through them. And we'll go through circumstances where we need to block out the distractions because the distractions sometimes force us towards logical decisions. And God says, no, trust me in this. There's truth here. Joseph didn't know what he was stepping into. He didn't know the fullness of the story. He didn't realize yet that what he was about to be a part of was the greatest thing the human race would ever know. Emmanuel, God with us, that he would be blessed to be the one entrusted to cradle the Son of God. How marvelous for him. And what a huge mistake a logical choice would have been to say, how about we just divorce And had he walked down that pathway to walk away from the privilege of being able to pick up an infant child and stare right into the face of God and go, this is perfection. And friends, sometimes perfection comes in our pain. And we just need to trust God with this. So let's learn together how to block out all the distractions and keep our eyes fixed on Christ. Number two, how do you discern the truth in the middle of your turmoil? Here's the second thing. We need to learn to recognize God's voice. Learn how to recognize God's voice. It's one thing to block out distractions, but when you find that place and you begin to block everything out, then you have to learn how to hear the voice of God in your story. And it's unique for us. It's unique for all of us. So let's go to Joseph for a moment. Look at 21 to 23, chapter 1 of Matthew. The Bible says that she will give birth, Mary will give birth to a son, And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they'll call him Emmanuel, 
God with us. Now, here's what's remarkable. How did God speak to Joseph? He sent an an angel. I believe in angels. Do you? I live with an angel. Hey, there you go, right? That's that's how you redeem point number one. (laughs) And stay on script. Next couple services, no deviations. I believe in angels, but here's the, here's the takeaway that I look at this and how to learn to recognize the voice of God. For Joseph, God knew that he was going to need an extraordinary presentation of truth because of the nature of what he was going through. And I love how God can factor how to present himself to us depending upon what our story is and what we're going through. Because in some parts of our life, God goes, trust me, you don't need an angel, you just need to trust me. But there are other times where he dials it up and he reveals himself and we learn to hear his voice very uniquely. And I look at this and I think about Joseph's situation and you, you recognize, I recognize, if we didn't see it from any other angle, this wasn't a win-win story This wasn't a win-lose story. Joseph realized that in his story, it was lose-lose all around. And it was going to take an angel, an angelic visit, in order for him to understand that this is God in the middle of his turmoil. And often when we look at our storm, we go, God, why did you cause it? Rather than saying, God, where are you in the middle of our storms? And so for him, he knew that he needed something, and he had to hear the voice of God for himself. And this for me, became something very, very deep. Joseph needed to have the level of presentation of God because he was going to need to have the conviction that he heard the voice of God to face the voice of his critics. You need to hear the voice of God if you're going to face the voice of your critics because people had already had their thoughts made up about Mary. So she's delusional. She's already claiming that her child is the son of God. She's conceived, uh, excuse me, she was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she's carrying God's child. So it's one thing for her to have that, but think about Joseph. When Joseph says, I believe that, they're going to think he's lost his mind. Why would you go ahead with this? It's one thing for Mary to fabricate a story, but Joseph, why would you willingly jump on board with her story? Think about the voice of the critics and the pressure that he's going to face. And he's going to need the inner resolve and the inner conviction that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was God that spoke to me. And I know that God gave me the conviction. And so God speaks. And we see this, John 10, 27. It's there in your notes. My sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. Jesus said that we would hear his voice that we could learn to discern and learn to recognize his voice. There's a number of ways it happens, right? You read the Bible, you're reading through your life journal, and suddenly it's just like the words on the page leap right off the page and they become personal in your spirit. We know that he speaks through his word. We know he speaks through his Holy Spirit. There's that inner conviction. There are times when we're making decisions and you get that deep, deep inside thing and you're going, no, 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 don't go there. And you think, oh, that was just my mom and dad reminding me. No, thankfully, that's that Holy Spirit radar inside of us that's going, don't go there. I don't want you to go there. And we follow the lead. That's why the Bible says, be led by and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. We pay attention to that. 
There are times that God speaks through dreams and visions. The Scriptures talk about that. There are times when it's an angelic visitation. And there are times when God speaks through people. But regardless of how He speaks, here's the important part. We need to learn how to recognize God's voice because God speaks but do we hear his voice? It's one thing that a parent does at an early age. They continually speak to their child. Why? They want them to recognize the voice. So when they speak the next time, the child immediately turns, and in the middle of a group, you know how your child or you would hear your parent's voice in the middle of a group. And the beautiful part is God invites us into this journey, and he says, learn to recognize my voice. You know, one of the, I I think one of the most significant things things that we introduced into the church here was our life journal readings in terms of just real practical ways to learn to hear the voice of God. If, if you're not doing it, it's there in your bulletins. We talk about this. You can go to our website. But it's how to take and read Scripture, observe what the Scripture is saying, understand a personal application, and pray about it. So we just S-O-A-P, SOAP, Scripture Observation Application and Prayer. And we've been doing this for years now. But I remember when we first talked about it, we presented it to our church community. And we, every week we'd meet with our staff and we were implementing this and sharing it with them. And after a few months, one of our staff members came up, was serving on our administrative staff. And I'll never forget, they had tears in their eyes. And just all they said was, thank you. And I said, for what? He said, for years, I wondered what it would be like to hear the voice of God. And he said, and now I hear him. Whenever I do my life journal reading and whenever I just get quiet and I start to read and I start to write, it's like God just begins to speak and his word just comes up off the page. Friends, God speaks. The key here is, have you discovered how to recognize his voice? Because it's there. The beautiful part is you've got to get away from the distractions. John the Baptist went to the wilderness. Jesus went up into the mountains. We all have different ways that we connect best with God. But it's important that we block out the distractions. We learn how to recognize the voice of God because it's in those moments that he'll help us through when we're trying to discover discover the truth and follow after what God has for us. And that's what Joseph needed to do. He needed to know that God was speaking so that he could silence the voice of the critics. Okay, number three in your notes. Let's write this down together. The third thought from Joseph is this. You need to align your choices with the truth. Now, this is really, really important, and I want you to catch this. We need to be careful that we don't filter God's truth through the lens of our circumstance, but we filter our circumstance through the lens of God's truth. We often try to take God and force-fit him into our circumstances and make sense of everything by forcing God into the story. And what God was doing with Joseph, he says, no, 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 no. Bring your story and overlay it on my truth and see what I'm up to. And Joseph needed to be reminded, that's why the the angel told him, that this is a prophetic declaration that had been made centuries and centuries before, that this was now coming to pass. Joseph, your circumstances are not isolated from the rest of my purposes and my plans. And hear me carefully today. Your life circumstances are not random. 
God has a plan and he's got a purpose and God works through all things. And we know, Scripture tells us, that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. So no matter what you're going through, no matter what struggle we have, no matter what frustration we have, and no matter what unexpected moment, maybe ours is not as dramatic as Joseph's, but no matter what unexpected moment we have, we don't try to force God into our story. We take our story and we overlay it on God's bigger story. And we go, that's what God is doing. And then we begin to align our choices to the truth. Now watch this, Matthew chapter 1, verse 24. Look what happens. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. I love this verse. When Joseph woke up, he did what the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home. So I put down three thoughts. If you want to write them down, you can do this. Did you know that a good night's sleep will dramatically reduce your stress and give you clarity of thought? It's true. I love that it says when Joseph woke up. Some of you, you just need to have a good sleep. That's just practical. You can take that from me. When you go home from church today, have a nap. Because things look better when we wake up, don't we? Am I the only one this happens to? No, it's true. We often build so much anxiety into our lives. I think our parents knew something about raising us. My parents made us take naps on Sunday afternoon. Nearly killed me. Because when you're a kid, that's the last thing. They finally learned we weren't going to stay in bed, so they sent us outside so they could nap. Parents, that's how this works. But there's a truth in this that often what we need to do is rest so that we're working from a place of rest, not from anxiety, And if it's not physical sleep, did God not call us to enter into his rest? Yeah. In fact, he gave us the gift called the Sabbath, that we would live from rest. So I love how Joseph, when he woke up, worry, stress, anxiety, sleeplessness, all of it diminishes when you enter into God's rest and you can hear his voice with clarity. Here's the second thing I want you to write down. He did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. Obedience is never optional. It is essential. If you want to see God working in your life, you align your choices to the truth. The angel told him, you need to take Mary as your wife. And it says he did what God commanded him. Most of us go into a bartering process. God, if I do 50%, what do you figure? Can we work this out? And what God's looking for is unconditional obedience. We'll just trust him. The third thing, it says he took Mary home and his wife. He acted in faith in accordance with what God had told him to do. And there were going to be some huge repercussions. No question. I can only imagine the social stigma that came out of this. But when Joseph began to align his choices with the truth, then you begin to see the rest of the story unfold. And that's what we celebrate today. So our picture at home, we have this wonderful little nativity set. We actually have a couple of them in our house, but every time I see them, there's this wonderful little picture of the nativity set, and I see Mary and Joseph and the infant child in a manger. And I always pause and I think, what would I have done? What would I have done had I been thrust into the severity of the storm that Joseph was in the middle of? And then I'm reminded of what we shared today. It's important to block out the distractions, to be able to recognize the voice of God and to make sure that I align my steps, my choices with the truth. Because when you do that, then God can bring the results that he wanted to bring all along. And it'll always be for his glory. Amen?
So let's pray. Father, this morning, as we look at our lives and we walk through our own personal stories, I pray that you would help us to see through the life of Joseph a new reflection of how he relates to our lives. I pray for men and women who are in the room today that are going through just some huge challenges. Could be finance, could be relationships, work-related, health-related. Some we share, some we don't. We keep it private. But no matter what we're going through, I pray, Lord, that you would remind us of these important steps, that if we could block out everything that's behind us, all the contrarian voices, all the pressure around us, if we could hear your voice and then trust you to step into the story, that your purposes will prevail, and God, you'll receive the glory. So this Christmas season, help us align our hearts and our spirits to true north, and be Lord of our hearts again, I pray. Amen.